the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Alrighty then, good morning, thanks for being with us. We're underway at 10 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on a Tuesday, the 11th morning of the 7th month of the year of our Lord, 2023. Big program today for you. Big day today for all of us. Today is game day. Do not wait until August 8th to get in the game. The game starts now, literally, about an hour ago, when your uh, when your boards of elections opened for early voting. That's right. This is your chance to be a part of something special, protecting the Ohio Constitution from the ongoing attacks of the American left that just, well, the Ohio left, I should say, that doesn't like the uh, laws that are being established by our duly elected representatives in Columbus. They don't like the laws that are being put on the books. They don't like the Ohio Revised Code. So they go to the Constitution to change it willy-nilly with a ton of money from out-of-state interests trying to codify things like abortion, enshrining it into um, Ohio law up until the moment of birth, and wording the language with such vagueness that it allows for children 
to undergo sex changes or begin the process of sex changes without their parents' consent. It is so incredibly barbaric, it's so incredibly wrong, and this is what they'll continue to do unless we protect the Constitution from such things by requiring a supermajority, and that's not even quite supermajority to say a 60% vote. Supermajority, in my book, sounds like two-thirds, the way it is in the United States Congress, in which both chambers have to vote uh, at two-thirds in order to... um, uh, ratify an amendment to the United States Constitution, and that's only after 75% of the states agree to do so. So we are. this is a great and important time. The game has begun. This is the first quarter. Do not let a week go by and get into the second quarter or the third quarter or the fourth quarter or the deadline. You see, I, a lot of people think that August 8th is the election day, and it is the election day, but that's not the day that you should be casting your vote. You should be casting your vote before then. Bank the votes. Get them in the bank so that they are there and not, well, you know, IOUs or promissory notes. I promise I'll get there on the on August 8th. I promise. Oh, what do you mean I have to work late that day? I can't go to vote. Oh, what do you mean you planned a, a, a family outing that day? We can't go to vote. What do, you mean you, what do you mean we're going to be out of town that week? I didn't realize that. Don't wait around. See, what, what August 8th is, instead of calling it, you know, game day, uh, I, I consider that essentially to be the, the two-minute warning. That's the last chance to cast your vote. But you should get out to a good lead. You should help us get out to a good lead in the first quarter. And today is the first day of the first quarter. I'm just going to kind of do, do that football vernacular, sort of, um, you know, that comparison, because that's what it is. We've got four weeks, 30 days of early voting. And that's four quarters. This is the beginning of the first quarter. Don't wait until the second or third or fourth quarter, or much less the two-minute warning on August 8th to cast your vote, because by then things might get in the way. Get the votes in the bank. Let's get an early lead. Let's keep it. Let's sit on it. Let's grow it. And let's win this and protect the Ohio Constitution, thus protecting life and our kids and our families. It is that serious. So game day is upon us today. Early voting begins right now. Get to your board of elections whenever you can. Uh, I plan to do it this Saturday. My wife and I generally have been early voting the last few election cycles uh, at the board of elections rather than waiting in line on election day like so many conservative Republicans do. And I understand why. We have been reticent. We have been opposed to the idea of early voting. We believe in one person, one vote, one day. That's it. Get in line. Deal with the lines like we always used to in the past and cast your vote. But uh, all of those promissory notes didn't always end up as as cash. We need cash deposits. There's another, uh, you know... uh, analogy for you but uh we need cash deposits in the bank now let's bank those votes because the left has just been beating us at this they have been out there pushing for early voting pushing for ballot harvesting pushing for all kinds of things that we might might not necessarily agree with or like doing but uh it's working for them they're banking votes and uh uh and it's coming back to bite us let's do this right so game day today. We're going to talk to Alex Triantafilu. He is the Ohio, uh, excuse me, the Ohio Republican Party chair, <clears throat> uh, and that'll be at eleven ten this morning. We've got, of course, it is Tuesday. You know that it's Kersenau Day as well. So Peter Kersenau will be with us at ten ten to talk about a whole host of issues. And of course, I welcome your thoughts, particularly on issue one. The fight is getting. 
nasty. Not that most fights aren't when you talk about politics and when you talk about Republicans and Democrats, conservatives and, and leftists and Marxists and, and, and Democrats. I mean, that, that's it, it, it tends to. But as it pertains to issue one, I've been watching and engaging in some of the battles on online, on Twitter and on Facebook and other social media places, uh, as the left just rails against this, uh, this idea, you know, and of course lies. Uh, suggesting that we are the ones who are trying to shred the Constitution. We're the ones trying to defend it from being amended, uh, willy nilly, uh, with a ton, with a ton of money from outside influences and just a simple 50% plus one, uh, uh, vote support. Um, but the fights are nasty, but they're out there and the left is working overtime. They have got the radical teachers unions doing this for them. They've obviously got the baby killers at Planned Parenthood and other abortion centers, uh, pushing for this because this is what they want. They know full well that if we are allowed to keep the heartbeat law that is now on the books in place and it is not essentially undone by this constitutional amendment, uh, it's going to cost them millions, maybe billions per year um, in dead babies. And that's, quite frankly, unacceptable to them. It's unacceptable to watch their profits and revenues dry up because a bunch of, bunch of pro-lifers in Ohio decided that they wanted to save babies' lives, and they didn't want this amendment to be um, enshrined into the Constitution. So uh, it's... It's it's enormous. Uh, Alex Strantafila will join us at eleven ten to talk about that. Kersenow, uh maybe talk about this a little bit with him too. Although we do a lot of other national stories with Peter Kersenow. so that's what we got the, uh, on the, the table for you this morning. I welcome your thoughts two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Even here in hour number one triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Either one of those numbers gets you here. It is game day. Make sure you get out and vote early. Do it today if you can. Do it tomorrow if you can. Do it in the first quarter. Let's get an early lead. All right, now, Patriots, before we get started with some of the other news of the day, including the temper and the hypocrisy of one Joseph R. Biden, what do you say we stand up and pledge our allegiance to that flag, the flag that represents this great and glorious republic and everything that we stand for? If you are a believer in, well, pro-death causes as opposed to pro-life, you do realize that, right? I like to say this in uh, uh, speeches uh, that I give. Uh, the opposite of life in any dictionary that you ever will open, the opposite of life, or in any thesaurus if you're looking for antonyms, is not choice. The opposite of life is death. So if you're pro-life, you're pro-life, and the opposite of that would be pro-death. Don't let them fool you with this choice crap. They are either for dead babies or they're not. So the dead baby crowd, um, well, if you're a part of that, then you probably don't respect the life and the hope that is re- reflected in this uh, in this glorious flag. So therefore, you are exempt from the request to stand and pledge your allegiance to it. You may instead take a knee over there next to that unemployed Marxist quarterback. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands one nation under god indivisible with liberty and justice for all well this is nice to see i just got a text message with a photograph from the lorraine county board of elections David Arredondo, former Lorain County Chair of the Republican Party, there sent this to me. Dave and I have had our uh, back and forth about a number of things, particularly involving um, endorsements and uh, and Ohio leadership. 
Uh, but at the end of the day, we see eye to eye on most things, including this. And he sent me a picture of um, a great gathering. It looks like over 50 people got out there at 745 this morning to get their votes in on Issue 1, to vote for Issue 1 there at the Lorraine County Board of Elections. That's a terrific turnout. Like to see that. Good for them. Thank you for sending that, Dave. And if uh, anybody else has things like that to share, <clears throat> excuse me, I would love to... Uh, I would love to do that. Uh, and by the way, if you also have watch parties, rallies, other events that you have planned um, to uh, support Issue 1, let me know. I'll announce them. We'll try to stock them with voters, stock them with people uh, who are in support of this so that we can continue uh, to grow that movement and pass that issue. Like I have one in front of me right now. Now, this one is for a little bit later on this month, two weeks from uh, uh, two, uh, about two weeks away. 13 days to be precise. The Joshua Super PAC is holding the Pastor, Priests, and People's Summit on July 24th at 7 p.m. It is a summit to generate support for voting yes on uh, uh, Issue 1. Keynote speaker is Treasurer Robert Sprague, and the message is about Issue 1, the constitutional amendment that we have to pass, or excuse me, the... uh, um, It's not the constitutional amendment we have to pass. It's the issue one to raise the threshold to 60%. This is worded kind of clumsy, kind of clunky on my, uh, on my flyer that I have here. But the issue one vote is, uh, of course, the one that we have to pass to raise that constitutional amendment threshold to 60%. Then we have to defeat the actual, uh, amendment that they have, the ballot initiative in November, uh, that would indeed do all of the things that we have been discussing. So this is huge. Uh, and, uh, if you want to be a part of that, that one's coming up at the Croatian Lodge on Lakeshore on July 24th, 7 p.m. It's a free event. Strudel and coffee and soft drinks will be provided. And if you want to if you want to go, you got to RSVP to 216-789-1961. This is uh, uh paid for and presented by the Joshua Political Action Committee. And uh I certainly encourage everybody uh to to attend these types of events 216-789-1961 if you want to go to that one. So it's important And I want to hear from you on how important you feel that it is as well. We'll come back and talk about Joe Biden, talk a little bit more about some national issues. we got Kirsten now coming up at 1010. You can be a part of the show in this hour at 216-901-0945, 888-281-1110. Always right radio right back. Okay, it's 925, Always Red Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. So the Axios report um, yesterday uh, that came down, we didn't talk about it yesterday. We had other uh, fish to fry. But Joe Biden's private fury is apparently legendary, and uh, it belies the comfortable old grandpa style, the safe Grandpa Joe by the way, he's only a grandpa to some of his grandkids. He completely dis- disavows and disowns one of them. But for those who see him as just kindly old, good-natured Joe, um, apparently the truth is coming out. Behind closed doors, Biden has such a quick trigger temper that some aides avoid meeting with him alone. They're afraid to be with him alone. They take a colleague almost as a shield against a solo blast coming at them. The president's admonitions, according to those who spoke for this um, uh, for this uh, story, 
include GD, how the F don't you know this? You'll have to figure out those initials. Don't effing BS me and get the F out of here, according to current and former Biden aides who have witnessed and been on the receiving end of such outbursts. Why does this matter? Because it kind of paints a different picture of who Joe Biden is. For those who said, you know, that orange man bad with his angry outbursts needs to be replaced by somebody with dignity, somebody who will restore some dignity and some sense of of normalcy to the White House and come to find out everything you know about Joe Biden has been a lie. Everything you think you know about kindly little Uncle Joe who wouldn't, wouldn't harm a fly, but who did stand up to Corn Pop, who was a bad dude, everything you think you know is a lie. That Joe Biden is not some uh, sweet-hearted old guy just trying to make his way and trying to help people and trying to make people comfortable. That Joe Biden is, in addition to being a an habitual liar, quite literally, almost, I don't know, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, so I don't know if I can call him what kind of a liar I can call him, but but he is so has such a hard time with the truth, he also has a hard time keeping his composure. And why does this matter? Because of things like this. How many different things were we told by Joe Biden before he came to the White House? Remember he said he was going to restore decency and honor to the White House after it was sullied by that orange man? That he's got uh, men with breast implants running around the White House lawn naked uh, to celebrate pride. He, he centers the pride flag instead of the American flag in a big display. He's got his coke-addled son uh, running around, cocaine being found in the West Wing, and then wink, wink, we don't know where it came from. All of these different things you think you know about Joe Biden. Um, very, very different than what he told us he was going to be. I'm old enough to remember this. Literally, uh, right when Joe Biden became president. Remember this? But I'm not joking when I say this. If you're ever working with me and I hear you treat another colleague with disrespect, talk down to someone, I promise you I will fire you on the spot. On the spot. No ifs, ands, or buts. Everybody. Everybody is entitled to be treated with decency and dignity. That's been missing in a big way the last four years. Everybody is entitled to be treated with decency. That's been missing the last four years. Come to find out, according to Biden's aides and allies in senior and lower level positions, all of them in this story talking about his legendary temper and his willingness to cuss people out if there is something that displeases him. Now, do I think we should have a president based solely on their personality? No, because if that was the case, then I couldn't support Donald Trump. His personality is 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 awful. But the idea that Donald Trump is a bully and Joe Biden is the kindly grandpa style is just crap. He's a bully as much as anybody. The difference is he's hypocritical about it. Donald Trump is right in your face about it. I got more on the Biden family and whether or not Biden himself is going to be a part of this thing in the near and distant future. I'll tell you what I mean by that next. Always right radio on AM 1420. The answer. 
reason. Always Right Radio with Bob France and The Answer. Oh, yes, indeed. So Joe Biden says if you treat people with disrespect, you're fired on the spot. I'm joking when I say this. If you're ever working with me and I hear you treat another colleague with disrespect, talk down to someone, I promise you I will fire you on the spot. On the spot. No ifs, ands, or buts. Everybody, everybody is entitled to be treated with decency and dignity. That- Apparently everybody is entitled to be teetled with, 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 de- with decent de- 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 It's been missing in a big way the last four years. You know, you know what's interesting about this too. In addition to the staffers that we were just talking about, Joe Biden um, is also legendary with his hair trigger temper um, with with voters, with constituents, with people, with um, with reporters. We've seen it in so many places. How did he get this carefully crafted image of kindly Grandpa Joe or Uncle Joe? How did he get this? A willing and and. I don't know, I won't say bought and paid for, but it kind of feels that way because there's a business relationship, a partnership between uh, Joe Biden and the Democrats and the press. But is it the press that fawns over him that, you know, just because that that's the reason they ran his old dementia addled behind in 2020, because he would be the opposite of big, mean orange man who's loud and yells at people and mean tweets. And and I don't like a lot of Donald Trump's personality traits either, by, by quite frankly. But they knew it was so off-putting to so many, particularly moderates and independents, they figured, we'll just put up the polar opposite. Of course, they didn't run him. They sat him in the basement during the COVID campaign. But uh, but they said, you know, kindly old Uncle Joe. You know, the sweet, good-natured guy who's just always got a nice word for everybody, who's not a threat to anybody. Yeah, well, we're Uncle Joe. They did that specifically to counter the personality and the perception of Donald Trump. But the reality is... It's a facade. It's false. It's not who he is. You remember these kinds of things. I have one real quick question. (laughs) What law school did you attend, and where did you place in that class? And the other question is, could you quickly... I think I I probably have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. (laughs) I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. In the first year in law school, I decided I didn't want to be in law school and ended up in the bottom two-thirds of my class and then decided I wanted to stay, went back to law school, and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I won the international moot court competition. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only needed 123 credits, and I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. The only problem with his snapping and cutting off of, uh, of the uh, uh, constituent there who asked him that question back in 1987 is that every single word he spoke was a lie. In addition to the snapping and, and the, the aggressive posturing, just like you're a lying dog-faced pony soldier, is that he lies. Is, is he an habitual liar? Yeah. I mean, in, in all honesty, I, I, I think the guy is, is incapable of either telling the truth or remembering the truth. You know the old adage that if you tell a lie uh, long enough or often enough, if you repeat a lie enough times, it becomes the truth in your mind because it's what you've conditioned yourself to say, and therefore you think it that way? I think that might be Joe, Joe Biden. 
Because every single thing he said there about his history and about his education and about his uh, three degrees and about where he finished in law school, he finished third from the bottom of his class. I mean, all of the things are documented. There was, there's been a number of, of, of uh, news reports on this thing. But the bottom line is he is essentially a, a lesser, I, lower IQ, lesser intelligent guy who preens and and... And, and presents himself as being some sort of intellectual god. And if you do not bow to his intellectual god-like status, he's going to cuss you out. How dare you tell me what to do? Get the F... I mean, I'll go back and read the Axios notes again if you want. But you do understand the point. Why is this important now? It's important because the real Joe Biden needs to be brought out. <clears throat> The, the real Joe Biden needs to be exposed. The real Joe Biden, which is supposed to be this opposite of Donald Trump, the answer to Trump, the calm to Trump's uh, rage, the, you know, the kindness to Donald Trump's, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not meanness. That's not a word, but to Donald Trump's cruelty. So everything that Donald Trump is, Joe Biden is supposed to be the opposite of. Opposite of. And the reality is he is just as, 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 as angry and as quick to temper and so forth as Donald Trump is, it's just that they paint a different picture of him. They paint a story of, uh, tell a story of, of Joe Biden that is simply not true. And now the truth is coming out. Why? This is part two of the, of the story. Why is this all coming out right now? Why are Biden's current and former aides talking to Axios about what a bully he is, despite his everybody is entitled to teetled me with respect, uh, and I'll fire you on the spot if you talk down to somebody? Why is it coming out now that he talks down to everybody? They know he cannot do this. If he makes it through another year of this presidency, it'll be a miracle, physically and mentally. He certainly cannot be run with the idea that he'll do four more after the rest of these. I think they're trying to, to, to really begin the push. We're going to have to expose Biden. We're going to have to remind everybody about who he is and what he is. And we're going to have to shove him out the door so that we can start over with Gavin, which I think is probably their play. We have to get younger. We have to get more aggressive. We have to be. We have to get that smooth talker up there, rather than the mumbler, bumbler, and stumbler. And this is how they're going to do it. You're going to start to see more and more and more of the skeletons in the Biden closet, the personal traits that you don't see when he's in front of the cameras most of the time. Some of the times he does snap in front of the cameras, particularly in calling reporters sobs uh, and uh, yelling at constituents when they when they question him or challenge him. But they're going to start to let some of the Biden skeletons out of the closet. Of course, many of the skeletons have already been exposed, haven't they? My child called me up just the other day. He said, Dad, I need some crack. Can you help me today? And I had lots of cash. But bills to pay He said, don't worry, Dad, I'll find another way He was smoking for I knew it And away he flew Saying, I'm gonna be like you, Dad You know I'm gonna be like you And Hunter's in the basement with a silver spoon 
The hookers and drugs were gonna be there soon When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when I'll be good and high by then, Dad Yeah, I'll be good and high by then Picking through rugs, um, smoking anything that re even remotely resembled crack cocaine I'm very proud of my son My son came around just the other day He said, I got me a deal where we can both get paid Can I trade on your name? I said, sure, okay Will anyone know? He said, no, no way And as he walked away, he looked kind of dim And said, I'm gonna be like him, yeah You know I'm gonna be like him He's, he's fixed it, he's worked on it And Hunter's in the basement with a silver spoon Ukrainian bribes were gonna be there soon When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when I'll put aside your ten percent, Dad I'll always have your ten percent So, honey Sit down, I'm fine. He said, you're not fine. I know how to game the system. Come on. Come on. Well, he came from Kiev just the other day. Had a smile so big I just had to say, son, I'm proud of you. How's our cash supply? He nodded his head and said, great big guy, but what I really need, dad, is to borrow the car keys. You can take the vet, but watch the boxes, please. And Hunter's in the basement with a silver spoon. Classified papers all over the room When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when I'm getting good and high again, Dad I'm getting good and high again He pointed out the reason why he regrets it is he didn't anticipate that, that thugs like Giuliani would use it to, in fact, try to embarrass his father. Yes, they are. They're flat thugs. Come on. This guy is a dog whistle about as big as a foghorn. I stole an election and my son moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, you owe some cash, I want my cut today. He said, calm down, Dad, you know it's on the way. But my laptop is gone and now it's on you. And now we're both really screwed, Dad. And now we're both gonna be screwed. And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me He was damn near dumber than me My boy was dumb as me And there was Hunter in the basement with a silver spoon All of our crimes were coming out real soon When's it all end, son? I don't know when But we're gonna end up in the pen, Dad We're both gonna be in the pen I am absolutely certain 100% certain that at the end of the investigation that I will be cleared of any wrongdoing. God save the queen, man. 9.50, always right radio. Don't forget it's Tuesday. That means cursing out in about 15, 20 minutes. You're going to want to be here for that, no question. 216-901-0945 is the number to dial. That's the number that John dialed in Chardon. John, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Fire away. Hey, morning, Bob. Good morning, John. Uh, you know, we we're faced with a choice coming up in the primaries <clears throat> between two good people. Number one, Trump. Um, he had a very successful first term, brought the country along. Uh, we were rolling along in prosperity. And you got DeSantis. It's done a great job in Florida. Mm -hmm. And he it plans to bring that to the presidency. So... Um, Trump's termed out after a second term. Right. So my thought is, we elect Trump 
one more time. And then you've got DeSantis con, con, uh, paving the way for DeSantis to come into the White House for another eight eight years. But I don't know your thoughts. Well, there's a lot of people who say the exact same thing you say, because look at the polls. The, the national polling of Republicans indicates a massive advantage for Trump uh, and people who, who agree with that. It, well, some of whom agree with that. Some like the first part, but not the second part. It's a bizarre thing, and it's something I'm trying to understand, and I'm trying to wrap my brain around. So far, I have failed at doing that, and that is... The number of Trump supporters, at least the vocal ones online that I read as I follow through social media to kind of get the pulse of the people and these sorts of things, who say they would never vote for DeSantis, that if Trump uh, Trump uh, uh, is not the nominee, they'll either vote for the Democrat or they won't vote at all if DeSantis is the nominee. That's troubling to me because that indicates not patriotic behavior, that indicates cultish behavior, and that's not something I want us to be a part of. Um, President Trump has gone to great lengths to disparage Ron DeSantis, not just as a, uh, uh, um, you know, a fellow primary candidate that you have to, you know, you have to uh, present yourself as being better than, but he has essentially painted him as being a failure of a governor. Uh, the other day at a speech, he called him a son of a bee. Uh, he said he, he said he's disloyal. He's he's virtually everything but a but a Christian man. He has fomented so much hatred for Ron DeSantis that some of his followers, like I said, in cultish behavior, are saying they would never support Ron DeSantis. That's a problem for me. That's a very big problem for me. I will support the nominee, no matter who it is. I believe that if the nominee is Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis will support him. If Ron DeSantis is the nominee, I do not believe Donald Trump will support him. He would he would he would take it as a personal slight, uh, and 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 would would do everything he could to destroy and dis, uh, dismantle uh, Ron DeSantis's campaign, and I think that's a huge problem. So, um, you know, your idea, fine. If we if we elect Trump and get four more years of him, and then if we got eight more years of of DeSantis after that, I would love it. But I think Donald Trump has made it his mission to destroy Ron DeSantis's political career for daring to be popular at the same time he's popular, and uh, he is trying to. Um, and he, again, he calls him disloyal. He goes into these long screeds about how he helped get Ron DeSantis elected governor. How dare he run against me? Um, and so I, I don't feel like that's that's going to be, at least right now anyway, that's going to be entirely possible. And yeah, maybe the, the the best thing is to go for DeSantis now. Well, know? again, that's you know that's that's what a lot of people are saying, and that's what ticks off President Trump. You know, it it ticks him off that anybody would even suggest such a thing. And like I said, some of his supporters have have basically said, "I'm Trump first, America second. Not all of them, but some of them, some of the high-profile ones online, are saying, I'm Trump first, America second. If DeSantis is good for America too freaking bad, I'm Trump first. Uh, and if Trump doesn't, if Trump doesn't want us to support DeSantis, I won't support DeSantis. That's what I'm seeing, and I'm reading, and I'm baffled by it, because I'm saying, we've got to find some unity here. Um, and that's why, even though, obviously, I've got some problems with some of the things President Trump is saying and doing to Ron DeSantis, I will support him. I will support him. Yeah. I would support if it was Vivek Ramaswamy. I would. Su- I said this the other day on a speech, and people freaked out at me. Um, I would support Chris Christie if he was our nominee. We have to support anybody other than another four years of Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or 
God forbid, even uh, you know, California destroyer extraordinaire Gavin Newsom. Anybody would be better than what the Democrats are going to put up there. So the Republican nominee, whether it be a Donald Trump or a Ron DeSantis at the top, or it be somebody as lowly as Chris Christie at the bottom, I mean, we have to say we will, as a Republican Party, support our nominee. And um, and and if you don't support the nominee, I think there's a problem there. Yeah. Oh, oh that's for sure. Yeah. All right, um, my friend. Okay, Bob. Thank thanks. you, John. I appreciate the call. You got it, buddy. Uh, Andy is in Middleburg Heights. Hi, Andy. Go ahead. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Andy. Uh, first off, before we go any farther, I just want to give some, give some accolades to your call screener, Marcy. I'll tell you what. You better hang on to that young lady. Every time you call, she puts a smile on your face. She's always happy, laughing, and that. And I can see her smile without even knowing her. I just just to start off. Because she she needs a pat on the back for what she does. Well, well, just just so you know, just so you know, we have actually two different people who screen for us. Sometimes it's Marcy and sometimes it's Marianne, and both of them will make you smile. So I think they sure do. Okay, (laughs) to get to my point, you know, I'm going to be 82 next month, and my my wife keeps telling me you always look depressed. I says, honey, I'm not depressed. I'm frustrated. How can me, Bob? You explain to me because you you. You've got the knack to do that. How can we, as 330 million American people, put up with what's going on in the government and, and the guys doing coke? I mean, you watch Biden, and anybody that knows, anybody that, knows, anybody that does coke always puts their finger up to their nose because they're always sniffing. You watch Joe Biden. He ain't talking. He's forever putting his finger up to his nose. I think he's doing the same thing. And, and why can't we get a military takeover to get this done, Bob? He's going to destroy this country. We don't, we don't have a lot of time of what he's doing. And everything he's doing and his family is treasonous. And people, you know, years ago in treason, they were either shot or you were put in the brick for life. And why are we? Why are we as American citizens not up protesting or having a military takeover to get this jerk out of there before he? You know, we're going to end up fighting here. You know, at my age, I don't care. I got nothing to lose. I told my wife, I'm in a wheelchair, shut me up in the doorway of my nine millimeter, and I said, you know what? That's that they come and get me. I'll, I'll fight to the, I'll fight to the till I die. I'm going to live on my feet, not die on my knees. Why are we putting up with this guy every day? This is I keep trying to tell my wife. This is frustration, not depression, that we can't as a people stand up and do something about this guy. And if you could explain to me what's going on, I'd totally appreciate it. Not only to be ranting and raving. No, it's okay, Andy. I appreciate your call and I appreciate your passion. I get the frustration and I get the anger. Uh, it's different than depression. There may be a time, and thank you so much for the call, there may be a time when, when depression replaces anger and frustration, uh, if, if, and, but that only comes when we feel like that the game is over, if we feel like we've lost. You know, again, making a sports metaphor, uh, you know, if you're in a football game and you're down by a touchdown and you keep getting so close, you keep going into the red zone ready to take over the tying score and you fail again, you may get angry, you may get frustrated. Depression doesn't happen until the clock is ticking down and they have the ball and you can't get it back and you have to accept defeat. That's when depression sets in. So I agree with you. You're frustrated and you're angry. You're not depressed. As to your point, um, there will not be a military takeover. There should not be a military takeover. This is something that we are going to have to do as people, as citizens, and quite frankly, uh, as far as the cocaine question as to whether or not Joe Biden touches his nose too much, you saw who they're blaming for it now, didn't you? 
They're trying to blame it on construction workers who are working in the West Wing. One of them must have left it there. That's how desperate they are to protect Hunter Biden, in my view. Thank you for the call, my friend. We'll be back. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. Our number two is underway. Good morning to you. Thanks for being with us on Always Right Radio, AM 1420. The answer, it is a Tuesday, the 11th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2023. And you know what it means when I tell you that it's a Tuesday. That means it's time to welcome our good friend Peter Kersenow back to the program. Peter Kersenow, United States Commissioner on Civil Rights, an attorney, an author, a columnist, and so much more. And, of course, the host of the Kersenow Report here on AM 1420, The Answer. Peter, good morning, my friend. How are you? Beautiful day in Cleveland, Bob. Um, you know, I went out for a run this morning, and unfortunately, because of my age, I'll tell you, sprained my ankle. I'm, I'm embarrassed to say. Sprained my ankle jogging. This is an embarrassment. You know, I, typically you'd want to sprain your ankle if you're do, you know, engaging in MMA against a 250-pound guy. But uh, I guess, you know, got me concession stage. These things happen. Yeah, you're just falling apart, man. Boy, I'll tell you what. I look at you, and I think, I don't know how this guy is still going. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Uh, Peter Kirsten, always good to talk to you, my friend. Hey, you've got a speaking engagement coming up here pretty quick, don't you? Yeah, well, I've got a few, uh, but one's relevant to Ohio. Yeah, I'm going to be uh, out at Strongsville pretty soon. Um, that'll be mm-hmm. fun. And I don't know what I'm going to be talking about. I believe that one's on the 19th, although... because that was the challenge yep. that you laid down there on the uh, crowd size. <laughs> uh, so I think I, I, I have that one memorized. I think the number to beat yeah. is 275 or something. You have to check with Shannon, and, but I think that's the number to beat. And I hope okay, everybody come it. out. Everybody come out. Now, it's yeah. going to be on uh, you know, it's going to be on the 19th at 6.30. I think it's uh, – I've got to verify this with Shannon, but I think it's at the Best Western in, in Strongsville. Uh, but come on out there, we'll have a good time. Uh, very few people are going to get arrested, from what I understand, except for yours truly. <laughs> and then the week after that, I think I'm at Highland Heights uh, talking to the GOP out there. So, um, And I'll be uh, in different places in the country, too, speaking. But uh, those are the places I'll be in the next couple of weeks. Good stuff. Peter, let's uh, let's dive in. Uh, I want to talk, just to follow up on the conversation I was just having with some callers and was talking about, and, you know, this Axios story with a whole bunch of uh, Biden current and former aides uh, telling the truth about him, that this is not kindly old Uncle Joe or Grandfather Joe or whatever, um, you know, who is supposed to be the polar opposite of the orange man raging uh, Donald Trump, uh, that this guy is a has a hair-trigger uh, temper, uh, that he curses and cusses out people so much so that aides try to avoid meeting with him one-on-one. Uh, they take a, a colleague along any time they have to talk to him as a shield against being uh, hit with a solo blast. F-bombs fly. Uh, direct uh, 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 directions that are that are uh, peppered with with insulting adjectives fly, and this is uh, the normal the normal and the real Joe Biden. Do you think this is coming out now, Peter Kersenow? Again, because it it can only come from people close to him who are with him. Do you think this is coming out now because they are trying to lay the groundwork to get him out of the twenty twenty four race? Now you think. 
Here, I don't need to be flipping about it, but um, yes, you and I have talked about Joe Biden. <laughs> you and I have talked about <laughs> Joe Biden for quite some time. I've had a you know a fair amount of interaction with him going back uh, 25 years at least, and uh, this is not news. Everyone who's interacted with Joe Biden, I may have even mentioned on your show from time to time, everybody has the measure of this man. None of this is news, and the media knows it better than anybody else. They've known this for at least. 40 years they've been interacting with him since, you know, ever since he became a senator, but most um, relevantly when he first ran for uh, president, I think it was in 1988. They've known this for a long time. The news here is that the media is now reporting on it, despite the fact that they've been carrying the water for Joe Biden for the last several years because they've wanted him as opposed to Donald Trump in the office. They wanted a Democrat in office as opposed to Donald Trump. So they've been carrying the water for him and suppressing all of this stuff that everybody who's ever interacted with him, including yours truly, knows. He is not a nice guy. He's a despicable human being on so many levels. And they've been selling us a, you know, a, a just a, a joke of a story about this guy. First of all, as I've said before, he has never been the brightest bulb in the world. In fact, he's probably considered to be the dimmest man in the Senate, and that's saying something. Number two is he's a horrible human being. There have been a number of allegations of, among other things, sexual harassment against him. But simply, but when the media doesn't report it, you know, if if you know there's a tree falls in the forest, but there's um, nobody there to hear it, doesn't make a sound. It's the same kind of dynamic as apply, applied to Joe Biden and his entire family. See no evil here no evil about Joe Biden because we they have, meaning the media has, an agenda to promote, and that is defeat Republicans at all costs. So what we have in the office right now, and, and it pains me to say this because I think most of us of a certain age were raised to try to respect the president and at least the, the office of the president, but this guy is, he's not only a substandard when it comes to his intelligence, he's not a nice guy, and as I forgot who it was specifically, you probably remember this, but there have been at least more than one senator. But I think it was, uh, uh, it was not Alphonse D'Amato. It was, uh, I, I don't remember who it was who said that Joe Biden has been wrong about every foreign policy decision of the last 30 years. Um, he, it, it's extraordinary how inept he is, and, but look at his family also. I hate to bring a family into this, but I know some of your listeners, and they think a lot like we do, Bob, and, and sometimes you take a look at a family, you know, the old thing about, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. He has one of the most dysfunctional families imaginable, despite the fact that they have all the means by which to make sure that they've, the, the family, you know, prospers and thrives. These guys have had multiple drug arrests, multiple arrests for other reasons. They're constantly in trouble. They're out there soliciting bribes from China, Romania, Ukraine, you name it. Um, they are having affairs with their in-laws. It's just it's, it's an amazing thing. This, this, is, this family is a I, – I guarantee you most of your listeners probably would be enormously embarrassed – if they had family members like this. And most of us have at least one or two family. I know my family probably thinks I'm the guy, but we have one or two family members who are like, you know, they're a little, they're a little dicey. The entire Biden family consists of that. You could describe them that way. Now, would you say that what Kirstenau is doing is a partisan screed? Yes, it's a partisan screed, but it happens to be accurate. And my frustration is that the media has been covering all this stuff up very, very well, even though, you know, snippets get out from time to time because you can't, avoid the fact that we have a guy with you would not hire take take away the fact of his age uh, fast or back back uh, 
the tape up for about 20 or 25 years. I don't think most enterprises would hire Joe Biden for anything um, that requires any kind of mental acuity, any kind of diligence, any kind of honesty. That's the kind of guy he is. But remember, he came into office, uh, maybe maybe not able to brag about mental acuity, but certainly about decency. Remember this? But I'm not joking when I say this. If you're ever working with me and I hear you treat another colleague with disrespect, talk down to someone, I promise you I will fire you on the spot. On the spot. No ifs, ands, or buts. Everybody, everybody is entitled to be treated with decency and dignity. That's been missing in a big way the last four years. So remember, everybody is entitled to be teetled with decency. Uh, and uh, that's, uh, that's the message he brought in, and that was going to make him different from Donald Trump. So I think, Peter, you're spot on when you say maybe he's always been this way, but it's just that now the media is willing to say it. Now the media is willing yeah. to call that stuff out. They championed that message that I just played for you at the time that he said it because it was different than Donald Trump, who doesn't treat people with decency. Right, and, that, and that's the story with respect to the media. Because It's not just the media, because the media is simply channeling the uh, inside-the-beltway establishment of the Democratic Party and what that signals now. And we've seen this, and I've seen some of the media even uh, talking heads talk about it, but this is something we knew was coming for a few months now, and that is that they are setting the stage for exit stage right for Joe Biden. They want to subtly, without there being kind of any overt um, ability to uh, uh, look at any particular Democratic functionary as doing this, but they would like to ease Biden out. The problem is right now they don't have an adequate substitute. Probably they're thinking Gavin Newsom. Yeah, they think they do. Greasy Gavin is perfect for the role. He just looks like the young, slick literally with it with that greasy hair um democrat you know smooth talker uh that uh you know that appeals to to leftists i mean honestly yeah. he's he's just there's a reason he's been traveling the country there's a reason why he's been attacking uh ron DeSantis much more than uh than uh than uh, donald trump for whatever reason even though trump is so far ahead on the polls he feels like DeSantis is his target but he is constantly attacking him why would the governor of california be attacking the governor of florida what does one have to do with the other nothing unless he's going to be a candidate for president right you're you're right bob it looks like their primary candidate will be gavin newsom because he's the perfect democratic candidate he's created a disaster in california a huge disaster the he is in the 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 failure to govern hall of fame but he's got the look you know he's got the nice hair you know he's got the look the whole thing um you know wears nice clothes is incompetent beyond all get out but just as the media does with virtually every democrat especially if they are running against a uh a trump but they're going to protect them. They're going to make it seem as if he's created a golden state. He has tarnished the golden state. And so I, it's incredible what's happening there. You know, you, you, you've seen the stats with respect to the next net exodus of people coming out of that state. It is um, untenable. Their financial con- condition is untenable. It's going to implode imminently. This is astonishing. So this is what our media is trying to foist on the American people. And unfortunately, too many of the American people are falling for it. We have sufficiently dumbed down, uh, dumbed down a 
percentage of the population so that when you add to that the ideologues, they've got a critical mass whereby they can win. If the media, again, shields these candidates from rigorous scrutiny, you don't even have to have rigorous scrutiny for the Gavin Newsom's of the world or the Joe Biden's. They, they are clearly not up to being you know, working at your neighborhood car wash. No disrespect to car- people working at the neighborhood car wash. I worked at car washes. But the fact of the matter is, when I was at working at the car wash, I don't think anybody wanted to elevate me to the Oval Office. So that's the problem we have right now. We're facing a media, which is the public relations arm of the Democratic Party, but most significantly, the leftist portion, the most left-leaning portion of the Democratic Party, and that's saying something. Peter Kersenauer is our guest. Peter, you used the words California, Dumb, and Gavin Newsom all in that same uh, segment that you just commented on. That's going to set up our next topic, which will be coming up right after this on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Ten twenty four. We continue now with our good friend Peter Kersenau. By the way, Peter, you will be at the Harvest Saloon in Strongsville on uh, July 19th at 6.30 p.m. I wanted to clarify that, okay. just so that well, your listeners, yeah, your listeners, fans, and friends will be there, and I wanted to make sure you showed up at the right place. So that'll be at the Harvest <laughs> Saloon. Uh, more information is online at strongsvillegop.org, strongsvillegop.org. Peter will be appearing, by the way, also with the Ohio Supreme Court Justice Joe Dieters. He will be at that event as well. So hopefully you can come out there and uh, support uh, the Supreme Court Justice and, of course, listen to Peter regale you with uh, wisdom and uh, and uh, wonderful political analysis. So, Pete, um, Lady Justice as I've always seen her uh, presented, always has a blindfold. And I think there's a reason for that, but I I don't think the people of California know that. Um, Or maybe they don't know the reason, because they want her to be able to see, and they want her to be able to judge people uh, based upon what they look like when it comes to sentencing them for crimes. Here's what I'm talking about. A Democrat-backed bill is making its way through the California legislature, which would require judges to consider a convicted criminal's race when determining how long to sentence them to prison. House Bill um, 852 in the California Assembly's Public Safety Committee was introduced in February. It uh, went on to pass the little-known legislation in May. It's now being considered in the state Senate. The bill would add a section to the Penal Code of California requiring courts, whenever they have the authority to determine a prison sentence, to rectify alleged racial bias in the criminal justice system by taking into account how historically persecuted minorities are affected differently than others. So, Peter, as I understand it, if I uh, rob a, a liquor store and you rob a liquor store, and I come before the same judge that you become, I'm going to get a stiffer sentence because you're black and I'm white and you have suffered, or your people anyway, have suffered historically and been persecuted as minorities. Your thoughts, Attorney Kersenow? Well, I think that I'd probably get a lighter sentence because I will have stolen some Glenfiddich scotch, which <laughs> is much better than I think which most other people would steal. But nonetheless... Um, this is so lunatic, so ridiculous. Um, I don't know what, what to say about this. Your listeners already know what I'm going to say about this. I'll leave out the expletives. We just had a Supreme Court case 
Well, maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you shouldn't. If you include the expletives, you could become president someday. Look at Joe Biden. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, well, we just had a Supreme Court case in SFFA versus Harvard, where the standard arguably set by the Supreme Court in the preceding cases, Grutter and Gratz, was actually a little bit lower because the Supreme Court gave deference to universities under the First Amendment to come up with this, um, uh, this you know, preference for race, saying that the educational mission or the pedagogy allowed uh, uh, universities to determine what it is, what their mission is, number one, but how it is they can accomplish the mission by, you know, jiggering admissions with, with respect to race. There is no such exception or benefit that has been accorded the penal system. In fact, it's just the opposite. That's where matters of race are most strictly applied. We don't want to, as you indicated very articulately, that Lady Justice has a blindfold on for a reason. And if you want to, uh, there are a whole host of reasons why you want to do that, but one of them is if you want to undermine confidence in the judicial system, the fastest and most damaging way you could do that is by considering race in the conferring of sentences. Only 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, the obverse was true. The concern was that, um, you know, there was race being considered on behalf of white perpetrators, that they would get off more easily than black perpetrators. Now, California doesn't simply want to do this with a wink and a nod. They want to codify this. If you want to separate Americans on the basis of an immutable characteristic, this is the way to do so. This is the way to make sure we no longer have a United States of America, but a disunited States of America. But, you know, I'd like to know what, what are they th- you know, Canada was thinking about doing this. Maybe they're even doing it at this point. But, you know, Canada and Justin Trudeau, they're a little bit, you know, Looney Tunes. <laughs> but... But because of, among other things, our Constitution and the history of this country, the most toxic, the most dangerous thing you could do is to accord an advantage in sentencing to one group on the basis of race. But aside from that, look at the downstream effects. The victims of black criminals are most likely black, 90% of the time. Um, they, you're going to have, as a result, if, if leniency is the end result of this, you're going to have an increase in crime because, as we've seen at the Civil Rights Commission, I don't have a stat in front of me, but it's a remarkable stat. Maybe some of your listeners are aware of it. Something like 90% of all crimes are committed by 1% of criminals. Not just 1% of the population, 1% of the criminal population because of recidivism. These guys go out there and they commit crime after crime well, after I've, crime I've got, after crime I've, after Peter. crime. Peter, I've got much more on that part of this on the reparation side uh, that that speaks specifically to the recidivism that you're talking about right now. I need a break here at the bottom of the hour, Peter. I'm going to give you the rest of that, and then you can finish your thoughts as we continue with Curse and on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Waking up America from its woke slumber. Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on The Answer. Okay, 1036. We got uh, a couple more minutes with Kersenau on this before we get into a couple of other issues. So, Peter, as we're discussing this um, in unbelievable bill, this piece of legislation that is now being considered by the California Senate, 
uh, to uh, tell judges they must consider race and racial discrimination in history when sentencing people who commit crimes. Um, in the 1,000-page report put together by the task force to study reparations in California, the uh, task force was presented, or excuse me, proposed dozens of statewide policies and ways to calculate monetary reparations designed to redress slavery and historical injustices against black Americans. According to the task force, such history has created lingering consequences that exist in the form of systemic racism today. In terms of the financial compensation, it could total as much as $1 million per eligible black Californian, despite the fact that California was never a slave state from the moment they became a state in 1850. Uh, But as it pertains to the criminal justice aspect, which is where I wanted to go with this, Peter, um, the task force determined that qualifying black residents could be owed over $115,000, or about $2,352 per year of residency in California from 1971 to 2020, as compensation for over-policing in black communities, excess felony drug arrests, disproportionate prison time, and the final report included proposals to end cash bail and the prosecution of low-level crimes. That's the part that I wanted to get to you because you just mentioned recidivism and the 1% of the criminals. If we're not even going to prosecute some crimes at all, in other words, we're going to erase them as crimes for people who look a certain way, and we're going to end cash bail so that there's no problem whatsoever going in, coming out, and going right back to your business, um, who is going to suffer the most? You nailed it when you talked about it. Who always suffers the most in high crime areas uh, with black offenders? The victims are also black, and, uh, and, and that's something they apparently don't care about. Go ahead. Yeah, the media and the Democrats, uh, but I repeat myself, are focused on the squeaky wheel. That is, those individuals within the black community who make the most noise. When you talk to my neighbors, for example, Responsible individuals, people who have jobs, taxpayers, some of the people are elderly. They don't want criminals let out. If you want to get a preview, and only a mild preview, of what this kind of lunatic legislation would result in, just take a look at places like Philadelphia and Chicago, where prosecutors have been uh, not even uh, requiring bail for some violent criminals where you've got mass recidivism because it's a revolving door. And you want to dispirit cops. Cops won't even be doing their jobs anymore because once they arrest a perpetrator, sometimes it's the same guy they arrested, you know, probably a few hours earlier. He's let out immediately. They arrest him again later that afternoon. They bring him back, and then he gets let out again because an Alvin Bragg or, you know, a Larry Krasner or, you know, Kim Fox will let them out without posting any kind of bail, this is the kind of lunacy that the Democratic Party and progressives have been foisting upon black the black community for a long time. And unfortunately, for a significant portion of the black community, you know, there's a way of getting out of this, but you keep voting for the same folks, first of all, who enslaved you, then imposed Jim Crow. I mean, this is the nuttiest thing imaginable. It's so toxic. It is so stupid. Anybody... When I was growing up, most of the people I knew had never gone to college, but they had a better sense for how the world worked 
than our credentialed elite today. Our credentialed elite are responsible for what we see in America today. That is a decline and a deterioration in the norms and standards that we have been, frankly, celebrated for across the world. Now, no more. What we see is dysfunction. We see deteriorating cities. We see decline and decay everywhere. And you can point, there's a direct line from some idiot progressive policy to a particular kind of decline. And it, as I'll say it one more time, it's not rocket science. Your mother, your father, your aunt, the guy at the neighborhood grocery store understood that these were the consequences. But if you go to Cornell, Yale, Brown, Harvard, they'll tell you, no, 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 we're enlightened. We're, we have a better idea about how this is going to happen. Yeah, I remember the enlightened people in uh, Germany. And I don't mean the Nazis. I mean their guy by the name of Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels. They were so enlightened, they came up with a better way of governance and, and ordering society, and it resulted in 100 million people being killed. This needs to stop now. we got to go back to common sense. You want black people to be slaughtered, to be even worse impoverished? Yeah, start discriminating on the basis of race and sentencing. And, you know, Pete, the, the last thing on this, um, just the blatant, brazen racism that that is in play here um we talk about the bigotry of low expectations when it comes to the admissions you know affirmative action well blacks can't make it on their own we have to give them extra points because they're black we have to turn away higher achieving you know uh asians or whites or whatever the bigotry of low expectations takes another dip below that level when you say we can't expect black people to be able to follow the law you know, we, we're not going to prosecute black people for certain low-level crimes because, you know, they're black. They, they can't follow. They can't figure this stuff out. It's like Joe Biden saying, oh, we can't expect them to get voter ID or to be able to vote online. They don't know how to use computers. They don't know how to get online. Um, uh, you know, wh- why should blacks be punished for using drugs that, uh, you know, we, we kind of provided for them? It's, it's suggesting that, that if you're African-American, what was done in the past, a, a couple of hundred years ago, um, was so debilitating to you that you can't follow general, uh, uh, general societal norms today, and we won't expect you to. I just find that to be the most egregious form of racism. It is suggesting that black people are less than. They can't study on their own. Erica Marsh, the Democratic strategist, said, you know, uh, no black will ever be able to achieve an amerito- amerito- meritocratic society. Um, it, it's they, they can't succeed. They can't get past tests. They, they can't get into colleges on their own. And we don't expect them to be able to follow laws either because, you know, it's just a little bit harder for them. I just find that to be so insulting, and I can't imagine how every black person in America isn't telling all of these people, screw you, I'm not less than. I, 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 the rules should be the same for me as they are for you, Peter. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little bit worked up on that. No, you should be worked up, Bob, and I think you articulated precisely the way I would, frankly. The fact of the matter is that the condescending, patronizing approach of the Democratic Party and progressives towards blacks has been enormously damaging to blacks and this country generally. It's sowed the seeds of division more deeply than anything you could possibly imagine. It's insulting. And I've said this on your show at least once before in the years we've been on. Um, I've been around this place for a long time now, and I was, uh, you know, starting out as an attorney back in the day when there were no, I was the first black attorney in a major law for all this other stuff, you know, all the first, 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 first. And I'm here to tell you that um, during most of my existence, the, the racism 
if any, that I experienced came exclusively from the left, and it took the form and fashion of patronizing, of the presumption that I couldn't hack it. Nobody knew what my grades were. I was at you know, top of my class. I, you know, I'd always had spectacular grades, no matter what. But the presumption was that I was an affirmative action baby, okay? That I got to wherever I was because I was given a, a you know, just a little of a nudge up. And then uh, the presumption also was that maybe I couldn't really hack it because I got there on the basis of race. And there was always kinds of patronizing, condescending statements. Now, that rarely happened from most people, okay? But whenever it happened, exclusively, I'm here to tell you right now, it came from someone who I'd already identified based on their comments, based on their, their affiliations, as a person of the left. Now, 99% of the people on the left, or at least 90% of the people on the left, are great people. I didn't have any problems with them. They weren't condescending or anything. But exclusively, when it did happen, it came from the left. And it typically came in a condescending, patronizing fashion. Um, racism now is the currency of the Democratic Party and and the left. That is how they promote their positions. And not just racism, but any kind of identity politics, because clearly we have seen the consequences of their policies. Divorced from, from identity, their policies stink. But having said that, um, even though their policies stink, there is a strategy there. And it is something similar to what many of your viewers or listeners know is the Cloward-Piven strategy. You know, the, the, the scholars who decided, who, who came up with the strategy of so messing things up from a policy standpoint that the regime implodes. That is, the, the country, the system, the structure, the architecture framework of our country implodes. And from that, you can rebuild a socialist utopia. And I got to tell you, um, you know, that, that was an old kind of... Uh, conspiracy theory from 50, 60 years ago, but right now you have to look around and look at all the dumb things, I mean, because they're, they're manifestly stupid, and they're, they have harmful consequences to America, and they are identified as harmful by anybody who's got an IQ above room temperature, frankly, that you have to wonder what the strategy must be a Cloward Piven type of strategy, that they want to make the systems self-destruct so they can build up a different system in its place. Anyway, that's a little bit off, off topic, but yes, yeah. bottom line here is these kinds of policies that divide on the basis of race or provide certain preferences on the basis of race. Have you seen um, any polling data that shows that racial relations are getting better in the country? No. Over the last 15 years, we had, and I had a graph here, I don't have it with me right now, but it's one that I typically pull out in civil rights commission meetings to shut people up. There, there, Gallup poll has every year done these race relations and climate surveys with respect to race in the country. And for most of the 90s and the 2000s, race relations were inching upward in terms of do you consider race relations to be good, medium, poor, and something like 67%, don't quote me on that, but I think I'm pretty close, 67% of blacks and whites believed that race relations in the country were good, Back in 2005-2006, that's 66%. Fast forward to today, and somewhere in the low 30s and upper 20s, it plummeted in a way that we've never seen since the time that Gallup began taking these surveys. In fact, it never plummeted. It was always going, there was a trajectory that was going incrementally upward. Things were getting better. And then right around, and I don't mean to you know, place any blame, but you know, 
very coincidentally, right around the Obama administration, boom, things just went off a cliff. And race relations are at the worst level they've been since Gallup began doing this kind of survey. And why? When you've got, you know, more blacks and Hispanics and Asians doing well and, you know, uh, you know all these programs. The reason why is because we are separating and distinguishing people on the basis of race and making determinations on the basis of race. And Democrats want to double down on it and make things even worse. In other countries, when these kinds of programs and policies were implemented, uh, Thomas Sowell has written extensively and eloquently on this. You have had not just racial division, but you've had the seeds for civil war. And in some places, it has, it has caused civil wars. I'm not saying that's going to happen here, but the, the kind of division and strife that we're seeing right now, we haven't seen in my lifetime. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the awful part about it is, is that we have gotten so much better. There is literally nothing that is available to a, a white person in America that is not available to a person of color in America. Opportunities abound. Everything has gotten so much better. And yet the relationship has suddenly gotten so much worse because it's intentional. And that is exactly what the left has tried to do. It's all part of, as we know, we talk about it all the time. It's about Marxist critical theory, uh, and dividing people from uh into oppressors and oppressed and uh and along racial lines that is what has made this getting so much worse peter um before you go uh, i want to ask you about ohio issue one i have not talked about this with you off the air so i don't know what you're going to say i haven't read anything that you've written on it either so i'm rolling the dice here um but ohio issue one early voting starts today the actual election day is august 8th it's a special election not a lot of people are happy about that i'm not either quite frankly i'd like to have done it back in may uh, but um, but it's a special election to raise the threshold to change the, uh, uh, the to amend the Ohio Constitution from 50 percent plus one to 60 percent, also requiring signatures from all 88 counties in Ohio instead of just 44. Um, it's been endorsed by the Ohio Republican Party. It has been opposed by the Ohio Democrat Party. What are your thoughts on issue one? What do you want to see happen? Yeah, I was asked this question a month ago or two months ago at a uh, uh, a, a gathering where I was speaking. And at that time, I said, I'm not sure where I stand, because any kind of rejiggering of constitutional provisions, I'm always very careful about, and I'm, I'm frankly, I'm, I'm skeptical, skeptical of it. And so, you know, I took a kind of agnostic position, but uh, over the last couple of weeks, not having done a considerable amount of reading, but having done enough reading on it, what I had read was universal and vehement opposition from the left, and that was enough to tell me I'm in favor of it. I mean, they, they are apoplectic about it. And they it's are. not just in Ohio. It's, it's New York Times has come out, and, and all kinds of national publications on the left have come out, and they are frantic about it. I think they're frantic about it from the standpoint of Ohio, but also that this is something that could proliferate throughout the country. And, but, you know, when you get down to it, um, the people who are opposed to it, one of the things that made me skeptical about it was that they kept saying, oh, this is going to disenfranchise people. And I thought, well, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, we have an even higher standard for amending the United States Constitution, where, you know, you've got to have two-thirds of the House and Senate propose, and then two-thirds of legislatures, or two-thirds of legislatures, and then you've got to have three-quarters ratify. I mean, it's an arduous procedure, much more arduous than what we're talking about with respect to issue one. 
And uh, when they talk about, you know, disenfranchising people, how? How is that possible? You are voting for it. You can either vote for it or against it, which is the essence of the franchise. And then on top of that, you've got elected representatives for whom you vote who can determine whether or not they want to repeal. You know, and I understand it's a little bit of a lift to do so. But when you've got uniformly the New York Times, and I can't remember who else it was, uh, the plain dealers opposed to it, so I knew immediately I should be in favor of it, and the ACLU and all the usual suspects, and I don't think I've ever supported anything that any of those organs have uh, opposed. So uh, I did a little bit of deeper dive. When I read it, I thought, you know what, um, especially for a state like Ohio, this mm-hmm. makes good sense. And I understand from people like Molly Smith and people that I respect and trust that this is the best approach. And I think, uh, you know, John, St- I, I don't know this, but I think John Stover supports it. Um, and I respect and trust him and his judgment enormously. I respect and trust your judgment enormously. And doing a little bit deeper dive in it, my position is, and I'll, I'll probably have a better articulated position on this after I've had a little bit more time to scrutinize it. As you know, I've, I've just finished another novel, just got it to bed, and so I, I've been putting a lot of things on hold, haven't been immersed in, in policy issues as I typically would be. But over the next week, I will. But my preliminary stance on it is, hell yeah, hell, hell, hell yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, in favor of it until somebody tells me that the New York Times is vehemently opposed to it. You know, when they told me they were in favor of it, when I read the New York Times is is, uh, opposed to it, that made me think, you know what, I think I'm favorably disposed. Well, you know what, the New York Times, the Cleveland Plain Dealer, the Columbus Dispatch, all of the left-wing newspapers are opposed to it. They're writing every editorial they can find to try to stop this uh, this uh, from being passed. And it's also that they can't, and and you know, this entire thing was born of, of the Dobbs decision. When Dobbs, yeah. uh, Dobbs came out and Roe was overturned and the decision on abortion restrictions was left to the states, the Democrats and the leftists and the baby killers in the state of Ohio said, we'll show them, here's what we'll do. We'll put a ballot initiative up there uh, and make it so vague so that not only uh, can babies be murdered literally up until the moment of their birth, um, individuals, they did not put an age bracket around, quote, individuals shall be entitled to make up their own minds about reproductive health decisions. And that means young kids can make up their minds without any age restriction and without parental guidance on things like sex changes, which affect reproduct- reproduction. So this is what they threw on there, and this is one of the reasons why we said, you know what, um, that's not how this works. If you want to change the abortion laws here, you do what they do in a functioning republic. You change your legislators. If you don't like a law the legislature has passed, change the legislators. That's your right as, 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 as a voter in this state. Go ahead and choose new representation and tell them to change the law. Every time the left-wing Congress in Washington passes a law we don't like, we don't get to go and say, let's change the Constitution with a simple 50% plus one majority. We say, no, we have to change the legislature. The Constitution should be amended only under extreme circumstances, and it should require broad support from all over the state, not just half of the state getting signatures and not just a simple majority of 50-50. The entire state is completely divided down the middle of 50-50, but plus one changes the Constitution. It's nonsensible, Peter. It makes no sense whatsoever. If you don't like the heartbeat law, Change the legislature. Win some elections for crying out loud. Don't try to change the Constitution because you don't like a law that the legislature duly passed. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, and I agree with that 100%. 
Uh, I'll say again, when you have the Cleveland Plain Dealer and the New York Times and every media organ out there saying, you know, oh, my goodness, this is horrible, then that should tell you that this is something you should be supporting. And, and it's as facile as that, knowing that the Ohio Democratic Party is opposed is another indication. But beyond all that, you know, I just take a look at the Constitution of the United States of America and look at Ohio, and I'm saying, you know, what's the big deal here? What is the big deal? And again, um, substantively, uh, Molly Smith has had some very good um, uh, explanations of this that yeah, more than has. persuade them, I think almost anybody. And I, I think, you know, I trust, I trust the people I know, and I trust good and honest people like yourself, Molly Smith, John Stover, and others who've taken positions on this. And I'm going to do a deeper dive myself, so I've got a better articulated opposition to this. But for the reasons I mentioned, uh, mainly it has to do with, with constitutional reasons, I'm, uh, I'm, I think that, you know, issue one is one that I'm going to be voting for in, uh, in August, and um, I'm not going to be losing any sleep over it. There's no way in the world anyone can convince me that uh, that's somehow, you know, anti-democratic. Well, Peter, I'll tell you the same thing I told everybody this morning. You don't have to wait until August. Early voting started today. So if you can get to your board of elections, get out there and cast that vote early. Let's put those votes in the bank so that they are there and they're not promissory notes that I think I'll remember on August 8th. I want everybody to get out there and do this as quickly as they can. It's that important. Peter Kersenow, always appreciate your time, my friend. Thank you so much. Thanks, Rob. Check your text messages. 1057, Always Right Radio, right back. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. is Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three is now underway at eight minutes past 11 o'clock. Good morning to you. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday, the 11th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2023. It's more than just a regular day today. It is game day. Do you understand that? It's game day. All of the pregame talk all of the banter, all of the name-calling, all of the arguments, it's game day because it's election day. Do you understand that? Today the game begins. Do not be fooled into thinking election day is just August 8th. August 8th is just a two-minute warning. It's a four-quarter game we're playing, and it starts today. Do you understand that? There's four weeks of early voting, four weeks that you can use to bank your vote, 
to get it deposited and on the record right now, rather than saying, no, I promise I'll be there late in the fourth quarter. I promise I'll be there on August 8th. You don't know what's coming. You don't know what plans are down the road that maybe your family made you don't know about. You don't know if you're going to have to work late that day. I thought I'd have enough time when I got off to make it to the polls by 7 o'clock on August 8th. Stop playing the two-minute warning game. It's a full game. It can be won or lost in the first quarter, the second quarter, the third quarter, or that fourth quarter. Today, the game begins. Plan to get to your board of elections and bank your vote instead of issuing a promissory note, instead of issuing an IOU, and I guarantee I'll be there on on August 8th for it. This is what the Democrats have embraced in recent elections. This is what they have used to win recent elections. This is something we must recognize. And even if you do in your heart of hearts support just a single election day, and that's how you want to do it, you have to recognize the reality that that's not good enough anymore. Get your votes banked. Today is game day, my friends. Pass issue one. Get to your local board and vote for it today. Joining us now to talk about this, somebody who is behind this effort as the entire Ohio GOP has issued an endorsement in support of Issue 1. And, of course, the Ohio Democratic Party has issued an op, uh, uh, in the opposite, have uh, uh, expressed their support for, how do I want to phrase that, expressed their, their, uh, their, their opposition to Issue 1, as I guess they want to say that now, is uh, the chairman of the Ohio GOP, Alex Triantafilu. Uh, Chairman uh, Triantafilo, good to have you on the program this morning. How are you, sir? Bob, good to be with you, and I uh, can't agree more with the opening comments you've made. Uh, you're as passionate about this topic as I am, so I appreciate all, everything you've said. But anyway, it's good to be with you again to reiterate that point and many others. I want to start with uh, Chairman Triantafilo, if we can, um, a, a little bit about what they are saying. I, I have had a lot of people come up to me saying, I don't know what to do. I want to protect the Constitution, but I'm seeing ads that say that voting no is how we protect the Constitution. And they have been very, very good. They've been very, very deceptive. They've been very, very tricky, I think, in putting some ads out there that make people think that voting no is how you protect the Constitution. They've got that ad that's running on TV all the time with the scissors shredding the Constitution as if a vote to, uh, uh, to affirm issue one would be, uh, would be the one that cuts up the Constitution. How are you explaining to people who are confused why we need to vote yes on this issue? Well, they're lying. First and foremost, uh, our Constitution in this state is among the easiest in the country to amend, and I'm sure you've covered a lot of this. But the bottom line for us is we're protecting our Constitution from outside special interest groups who come in here, avoid the regular order of the House, avoid the regular order of the Senate, and just willy-nilly amend our Constitution. It's been done more than 150 times in this state. Just by comparison, Bob, as you well know, our federal Constitution, which has served us very well, and I'm a strong believer in our federal Constitution, every provision of it, by the way, not just the select ones that the left likes to talk about, but every single provision. has only been amended 27 times in United States history. The first 10 were the Bill of Rights. So we've only amended the Constitution federally, 27 times, 17 times since the Bill of Rights, and we require a massive threshold of support across the country to do it. You need two-thirds of the House and Senate for a federal constitutional amendment and a full three-quarters of the states to ratify. All we're doing in Ohio here is actually protecting our Constitution from outside special interests that seek 
to, to slap on every amendment they can think of, whether it's marijuana, whether it's, you know, mandatory minimum wage, ranked choice voting, all this, this kind of, you know, litany of left-wing special interest projects they know wouldn't stand a chance to pass the legislature, wouldn't stand a chance to earn a supermajority of Ohioans' support. So we're the ones defending uh, this Constitution. This is a good government measure, Bob. And, you know, the press, of course, and gosh, I'm reading some of these op-eds, especially from your neck of the woods, for this <laughs> hyperbole that the left is pressing on this. If this were being pressed by Democrats, they would all say, you know, this makes perfectly good sense to make it so you need a 60% threshold. But that's not what we're hearing. What you're hearing from them is a bunch of lies. And, um, you know, that's where we are. And we're going to fight through the end here to make sure we pass a yes on issue one. Yeah, the same 60% threshold that they have on their own bylaws, their own Democrat Party constitution. You cannot amend it without 60%. They won't do it with 50, 50 plus one. It, it must must be 60. Um, and you're right. I'm reading the editorials in the Cleveland Plain Dealer. I'm reading them in the Columbus Dispatch. I'm reading them all over the place, these left-wing uh, leaning editorial boards saying that this is a power grab by the politicians, a power grab by the legislature. Um, can you explain or understand what they are even trying to say? How is it a power grab? We have a simple republic process, uh, process in our republic, I should say, in which our elected representatives make our laws. If we don't like those those laws, we tell our elected representatives we want to change them. If they don't change them, we replace those elected representatives. That's where our power comes from. How is it a power grab to say, let's continue to rule, uh, or not rule, rather, but to, um, uh, to allow our representatives to do our bidding, and if they don't do it right, to change them? Why do we go automatically to, let's change the Constitution? Well, it's what the left does. It's fear-mongering at its worst. And the fact of the matter is you can still, as a citizen, initiate a petition to change a statutory law by an initiated statute. So you can repeal something passed into law with 50% of the vote plus one. That that option and many other options still exist. What we're talking about, Bob, is the foundational structural document of the state of Ohio is our Constitution in the same way that our federal Constitution exists. Our founding fathers were wise enough in our federal Constitution to say that it was going to require a massive amount of support before you change the structure of our government. And we've not, again, we've been very well served for 240 years, well, a little less than that with this Constitution, but our country's been in existence for 247 years. We've had a federal Constitution that stood the test of time, because we don't amend it just on a whim. Imagine if we amended our Constitution every time the passions of the moment, you know, the, the, the fiery moment uh, that comes in American politics every day, uh, what meant we amended our Constitution. That's all we're doing. The left is lying to you. They always uh, love this game of scaring people. Uh, we're just trying to fix what is a structural problem in Ohio government. I think the people will ultimately see through that. Uh, by the way, quickly, Bob, I want to just say one other thing, if I could, about the early vote. I know you pitched uh, what, what you said at the outset was really important, but I want to just say in your neck of the woods, the Democrats are already pooling ballots. In numbers, we're able to track that. And again, if you're a motivated conservative, and I hope a lot of your listeners are, the Democrats are already sort of taking a lead. So we're, we're saying to everybody what well, you said at the outset. This is the beginning, not the end. And again, we're tracking those numbers in places like Cuyahoga County and from where I'm from in Cincinnati. And the Democrats are pooling their vote. We, we know who's asking for, for absentee ballots, and the Democrats are already doing it. 
So we're trying to play a little catch-up, and I, again, I appreciate the chance to, to diatribe about that a little bit. Well, um, it's very, very important. We're talking with the chairman of the Ohio GOP, Alex Triantafilu, and um, it is extraordinarily important to know that's how the Democrats are winning elections, and uh, I don't think they have the right message. I don't think they have the right messengers, but they do have the right strategy, and that is something we need to embrace as well. Um, I want to ask you about this. Um, you know, the, the Ohio GOP has endorsed this. The Ohio Democrat Party has opposed this officially. Tell me about Bob Taft and John Kasich and Jim Petro and Betty Montgomery the, and Lee Weingart, who ran for county executive, with my support, by the way, here as a Republican for Cuyahoga County. A number of prominent Republicans are opposed to this. Um, what do you say to them? They're dead wrong. Uh, I'm not afraid to say it to them. I'll say it to them directly. They're dead wrong. They're buying into, I don't know what they're buying into, some sort of left-wing mainstream media approach to this thing. I just don't know why. I think if they would have taken a deep breath, frankly, if I'd have had a chance to talk to any one of those people, and I haven't talked to any of them, by the way, I would have told them, let's be, let's be blunt, John Kasich left our party years ago. So, you know, what he thinks, you know, he's a Democrat or maybe even worse. No, no use for that. The others that you mentioned, I just don't know. I mean, I, that somebody should talk to them. I'd rather point to the people on our side who've supported it, and there are lots of them. Every statewide elected official, I believe, has endorsed this, including the governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, the secretary of state, and I stood together at a rally this week. Uh, we've seen, you know, uh, the Restaurant Association, the Chamber of Commerce, every right to life group I know. I've seen this as a very unifying issue for our party, Bob, and it's hard to do that sometimes. That's part of my responsibility. This has been a unifying issue. And those few, very candidly, former you know, elected officials, people not running right now facing the electorate in the Republican Party and in Ohio have come out with this. I, I, can't, I can't defend, nor can I explain their squishiness here. Uh, what I know is that we've stood tall on this as a party, and I expect uh, we're going to stay united through August the 8th. You know, um... The left likes to complain that we've we've put this issue out there solely as a way of uh, protecting the heartbeat law, and that uh, this is all about abortion. And I, I kind of keep wanting to say it's not all about abortion. There are many other things that could, if we don't change this threshold, there are many other things that could be done uh, with out-of-state, uh, you know, billionaires uh, throwing a ton of money here to buy petitions to get things, citizen initiative petitions on or uh, ballot initiatives uh, uh, up there, and. Um, and and spend a ton of money on passing these things, and really we won't even have a functional republic anymore. We'll have a, a, a straight amendment of the of the uh, constitution, democracy going. Um, but the reality, Chairman Triantafilu, is that this is largely about abortion. Um, we're a pro life state. There's a reason why we have what we have, which is that heartbeat law. We are a pro life state, and if that's what it takes to tell people to be out, get out there and vote for issue one to make it as clear-cut as that is either support life or you don't. Because if you don't support life, it is almost a guarantee that in November that ballot initiative is going to pass with 50%. It is going to allow babies to be butchered all the way up to the moment of birth, and it is going to allow children to start uh, their sex changes without their parents' approval because the language is so vague it doesn't limit uh, uh, to limit the, um, uh, the age or or I should say require the age to be 18 or over, that children can do these things. So if that's what it comes down to, Chairman, I'm fine with saying this is, a, this is a, an issue on August 8th that says, are you pro-life or are you not? Well, look, uh, the pro-life coalition is a big part of our coalition or a big part of our effort. There's just no question about that. I think the reason you're hearing people like me and others talk about it in terms beyond abortion, and by the way, if that's what's motivating you, please join our effort and help us fix this problem. And 
you know, I like you. I've enjoyed the endorsement of Right to Life every time I've ever run for anything. I'm a strong pro-life uh, Christian person. My wife and I are strongly uh, supportive of the movement. What I'll say to you, though, is there are other groups that aren't motivated by this who still see the benefit to issue one. So what we're saying is if you're in a pro-life community and this motivates you to pass it, great, but there are business community groups, chamber of commerce groups that, you know, their prime day-to-day motivation may not be this issue, and we're saying they're for us as well because it's just a simple good government measure to not allow the foundational document of the state, the structural document that, that we have here in Ohio, to be littered, you know, with 170-plus amendments from every special interest group, you know, from the casinos to the marijuana groups. They ought to have to come to our legislature. They ought to have to pass laws like everybody else does. So, you know, again, we're motivated by this, and if you're motivated by the life question, by all means, this will help us in that arena just like it will uh, for the other things that we've talked about. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you say that, and I do not mean to minimize the fact that there are many other things that could be driving people in that might be down the road uh, something that they're trying to do to amend the Constitution for other reasons. But uh, but as you said, if this is your driving factor and your driving motivation, if you are pro-life, you're going to have to get out there and vote yes on issue, uh, issue number one on August 8th or, again, before that during early voting uh, to guarantee that it's going to be a very, very tough thing. And I'll tell you something. If Ohio, if I'm wrong, Chairman Trantafilo, if I'm wrong and we're not a pro-life state, and over 60% of the voters in the state in November say we want abortion on demand anytime for any reason at any stage of pregnancy, then you know what? I will accept the will of the people. I won't like it, but I'll accept it. But I'm not going to accept something like that if it's 50%, if it's literally a 50-50 proposition in the state of Ohio plus one voter that something as drastic as changing our Constitution to codify something as radical as that, that cannot be done with a simple 50% plus one majority. Absolutely, it should not be, because what the Democrats are proposing in November, and by the way, we'll see if they make the ballot, if they make the ballot here in Ohio, is a radical extremist proposition. And that's, again, any objective analysis would look at that. This would roll back parental notification. Mm-hmm. It would roll back the rights of parents to have input on their, their, their children's medical decisions. Uh, it, it is a kind of just way left-wing, absolutely extremist kind of legislation that nobody agrees with. And by the way, it also would allow abortion into the eighth, eight and a half months of pregnancy, yeah, that's not where the American people are, Bob. We can have a healthy debate, I suppose, although I'm strongly pro-life. We can have a healthy debate about restrictions on abortion. Americans support restrictions. They're not for an eight-month abortion. And this is what the Democrats want to do. You know, if, if they, we'll fight them on that playing field in November, I suppose, if we have to. But right now, fixing this Constitution in August has got to be a main focus. No question about it. And we need to get people out there supporting issue number one, uh, yard signs, bumper stickers, uh, shirts, anything that you can find to tell everybody that you support issue one, you support the protection of Ohio's Constitution, you support life. Uh, we need people to do that. The left is out there. They're spending a ton of money trying to get people to oppose this. So we've got to match and, in fact, exceed their energy, their passion, and their efforts in order to protect this Ohio Constitution. Chairman Alex Triantafilu, thank you so much for your leadership. You're doing a great job in charge of the Ohio GOP. I appreciate that very much, and thank you for coming on today. An honor and a privilege, Bob. Take good care. Thank you, sir. That's Alex Triantafilu. We'll take a time out here. It's 1124. We'll have some time for some phone calls, too, at 216 You want to talk about issue one? I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. And if you are a supporter, get out there and bank that vote. Do it today. Do it tomorrow. Do it in the first quarter. Don't wait until the end of the game. We'll be back.
1127 now. Always Right Radio continuing. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Todd is calling us from Ward 1 in Cleveland. Hey, Todd, what's going on, my man? Hey, Bob. I tried to catch you last Friday on the previous matter that we were talking about, but I couldn't get into your broadcast. I don't think you were taking calls. So I'll move on to this topic, but I do want to come back to that on Friday. Okay, let's do that. Educate me better so I understand how you came to your conclusion. What makes 60% so special to you as opposed to 70 or 55? Well, in my view, honestly, I, I, I kind of like the fact that the Ohio or the uh, U.S. Constitution requires 75% of the states to ratify a constitutional amendment, and then two-thirds of the House and the Senate, which is 66%. I, I prefer a higher threshold. If we're talking about literally changing, amending the foundational document that guides our laws, it's not our list of laws. Our list of laws is in the U.S. Code or in here, the Ohio Revised Code. Um, but if you're talking about amending the foundational document, document it should enjoy broad support not simple 50 percent plus one support you know there's a reason why 32 of our 50 states do not allow any citizen initiated petitions to just change the constitution because they know that's radical if you want to change the laws you go through the legislature and if you don't like the legislature you vote them out and you vote in new legislators so if you're going to do something like change the uh, constitution todd i think it should be broad support yeah i think it should be broad support 60 percent to me is a minimum figure i would prefer 70 75 at the bare minimum 66 for uh you know for uh uh like they like i said like they have to do in the uh in the u.s congress to amend the u.s constitution but 60 is not asking very much and as you talked about the u.s constitution this question popped up in my head this was previous to me calling in Mm -hmm. um is there an amendment that you think should be be put in place for the u.s constitution uh, I couldn't name one off the top of my head, something I think we need to change the Constitution for. I mean, it's only been amended 27 times for a reason. Yeah, and one of those times was twice, basically the amendment to the amendment. Okay. All right, I just wanted to hear. I just wanted Did to you have it. one in mind, by the way, just out of curiosity? Is I there do. something you want to change the, the U.S. Constitution for? I do. I believe we should have a 28th Amendment to the Constitution that requires a federally mandated curriculum and all the taxpayer-funded neighborhood public schools on civics grades 3 through 12. I believe that should be an amendment. I believe the Constitution should be amended in a way so that that is done. We've gone I, too, we've gone I support too far. the idea 100%. Of, of mandating that I don't know that it necessarily has to go through the Constitution um, if we're going to have a federal Department of Education and I'm not sure we actually need one if I'm being honest Me with neither. you but if we're, if we're going to have one and we're going to fund you know the schools in all 50 states with it um, it could come with that provision you want funding you must have this curriculum and it must be verified that you are teaching it and that students are passing it before they can move on I think we can do that without an amendment but uh, I'm willing to talk about it another way because it is that important. We can, but we probably won't. And I believe the best way to get it done and make it undisputed, well, there's going to be dispute because we have a democratic society, is through a 28th Amendment. All right, man. Okay, Todd. Thanks for the call, brother. I appreciate it. Hopefully I'll talk to you again soon. Uh, it's 1130. We'll take a time out. Always right radio on AM 1420. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by KeepingMedicareSimple.com and The Floor King. 
Okay, it's 1137, so um, got a message from our friend Peter Kersenow, who uh, wanted to clarify some of his uh, appearances, because uh, he's going to be out and about quite a bit, it looks like, next week. Um, on the 18th, so one week from today, Peter's going to be at the Lakewood in Lakewood at the West Park Conservatives meeting, 6.30 p.m. On Wednesday, the one we told you about, he'll be uh, speaking to the Strongsville GOP at, at the uh, Harvest Saloon. That's also 6.30 p.m., so that's on Wednesday the 19th, back-to-back there. And then on the 25th, he will be speaking to the Highlands, uh, Highland Heights GOP. That will be, will be at 6.30 as well. So there you go. I think I've addressed all three of those uh, fantastic groups of people. Good stuff. Uh, so uh, Tuesday, Lakewood, West Park Conservative, 630. We'll tell you about the rest of them next Tuesday when I have them back on. Uh, okay, back to the phones we go. Uh, Joe is in uh, Westlake. Hi, Joe. You're on the air. Fire away. Hi. <clears throat> Hello, Bob. Number one, uh, the November amendment is horrendous. We need to stop that. Number two, we also need to raise the 50% threshold, but not now, two years from now. And I'd like to explain why. Number one, we have a strategic power problem with conservative power in Ohio. What that is, our our state house is corrupt, too much outside money coming in. What's the answer to that? Move power to the county level. Have a kind of truce with the liberals. We control some counties, they control others. That's a reasonable way to go it so we're not constantly fighting state battles that we don't have the money to win. Number two, how are we going to get rid of this, this terrible November amendment if we raise the threshold, because you know what? Number three, we haven't fixed voting yet. So they're probably going to cheat. It's probably going to pass. And then we'll be stuck with it because of the 60%. We need time to fix key issues in Ohio before we raise that threshold. Thank you. Okay, thanks for the call. I appreciate it, Joe. I'm going to disagree with you on part of that, particularly uh, the part about um, November. Um I don't think they're going to win in November, and I think it's important that we... I, I think it's literally, we're talking about putting cart before horse. I think we need to change that 60% now to make sure that they don't win in November, then we don't have to come back from that and try to undo it with 60%. I believe, as I said to um, uh, the chairman, uh, Triantafilo, I believe we are a pro-life, a pro-life state. There's a reason why we continue to win election after election after election. We are a pro-life message. We have a pro-life message, rather, talking about the Republican Party. And I'm not talking about just the legislature. The left likes to scream, oh, it's gerrymandering and the lines are not fair and so on and so forth, which is just so much crap. But I'm talking about the statewide elections. I'm talking about the governor. I'm talking about the uh, lieutenant governor. I'm talking about the secretary of state. I'm talking about the treasurer. I'm talking about the attorney general. I'm talking about Republican sweeping statewide elections all of the time. And the reason why is the Republican message is one, largely, not the only one, of course, but a large reason why is because we're pro-life. And I think that the pro-life message will resonate, and we will indeed uh, stop that amendment on November, but we cannot take a chance on, uh, like you just mentioned yourself, we haven't fixed voting yet, we cannot take a chance. I think if it's close and it comes down to 50-50, there might be enough room for shenanigans for them to, 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 to steal it. And I'm not saying how, and I'm not, sugge- I'm not implicating anybody, I'm just saying I don't want to mess around. They're gonna, we're going to need to require them to get 60% to change our Constitution. Our Constitution is valuable. It deserves protection. It should not be changed willy-nilly with a 50% plus one. Thank you, Joe. Uh, to uh, Sally in Berea. Hi, Sally. Go ahead. Hi, Bob. Um, regarding those persons in Cuyahoga County who would be unable to get downtown to the Board of Elections, mm-hmm. the vote-by-mail ballot applications are available in local Cuyahoga libraries. 
if it's time is of the essence because you need time to mail the ballot application in and get get your ballot back and then mail the ballot in. So today or tomorrow, um, get to the library. If you have to call in for one, then that adds to the time frame. But um, the website will track your ballot application and also um, the ballot itself. So you can see that it's, you know, being processed. Okay. Well, that's good information, and that's good advice to get down to the library and do that. Thank you, Sally. I received one in the mail yesterday. I don't know. Hold on. Let me see. I think I have it here still in the studio. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got it here. Um, I received an application to vote by mail uh, paid for by Protect Our Constitution. So these things are available. You may be rec- I didn't ask for this either. It was just sent to me, so that means it's good. There are a lot of people working very, very hard to get this message out to make it easier for you to vote. Um, so if you don't get one mailed to you, you like she just said, you can uh, seek them out and find them at the library and do what you have to do to get it turned in in time. Uh, Tom is calling us from Tampa in Florida. Tom, good to have you back. Go right ahead, sir. Thank you. Bob, I'll try to make it quick. Um, what happens is people don't understand the ballot, and when people sign that petition for the people to put it on the ballot, you only read that one first paragraph. We have to use in a commercial say, these people are just, they're not telling you the truth. Look at the whole ballot, go to our website, and you can see it on page 19 or something. This is what they really want to do. You have to explain to people. Wait, which, web, which, web, which, which website are you talking about, Tom? Well, they would have to make up a website that they could, that people can go. Oh, I see what you're saying. You're saying in order to combat the confusion that is intentionally created to have a website and make it clear. Right. It should, and tell them, go to, you know, this is what they really want to do. They want to destroy our kids, destroy our family. They want to do all this. This is their goal. This is why we're doing, this is why you should vote yes on this. Well, the, well, well you're, you're, you're right about that. And the good news is there is such a website. There's a website I would send people to and I try to tell people whenever I can. And thank you for the call, Tom. It's called voteyesohio.com. Voteyesohio.com. You'll, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, the Constitution is not for sale. Vote yes on August 8th. There's a ton of information. All of the endorsements are there telling people why voting yes is the right thing to do. See exactly what the ballot or what the, uh, um, uh, the issue says. Uh, and vote yes. So there's a lot of information that is available. And there are a lot of the organizations that support issue one, including Ohio Right to Life. Go to the Ohio Right to Life website. Go to the Cleveland Right to Life website. They also have a ton of information so people can clarify and get clarified for them. Uh, what the actual issue is and why we support it. Don't let the those who are trying to intentionally confuse us win. Uh, Georgianne and Willoughby, I've only got about 30 seconds. Georgianne, but go ahead. Okay, thanks, Bob. Um, I picked up my signs today out in Lake County Republican headquarters, and they are frustrated, the, the man I talked to, because they're waiting for the wires for the signs to put on the lawns. He could not give me as many as I would have liked. I took three, but... They, I think the opponents of this issue are purposely making it confusing. That well, they, they are TV. that part. I've, I've got to go, jo- Georgian. I, I, they are trying to make it confusing. As far as the signs, we'll address more of that tomorrow. I've got one in my front yard. They are available. We'll talk about where on tomorrow's program. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.